No, I think the stools are higher. I can put them down. <laughs> yes, that's what I said. Is that what Did it does? I stutter? <laughs> put them down. <laughs> we just would like to remind you that none of the things that we say should be taken as official recommendations. We try to know what we're talking about, but this podcast ultimately represents the opinions of a couple yahoos with master's degrees. It's (laughs) mainly for entertainment. Right. So if you feel that you need help with your own mental health, we encourage you, please talk to your very own doctor or your very own counselor. Get real help. And remember, this podcast is not safe for work, so listen with headphones. And welcome to Freudian Sips. I'm Bonnie. <laughs> and I'm Anna. Why are you already it, laughing? It just seems so, I don't know. I just, I feel like we need to change that right. somehow. We'll, right. we'll, we'll work on that. Someone though. tweet us, tell us a better Tell opening. us how to do the, yeah, the yeah. beginning. It is very much, I said this before, it's like jumping into a jump rope. Yeah. And it's like, uh, once you're in there, you're okay. <laughs> as long as they don't, you know, change the rhythm, you're okay. Maybe we should actually be jumping in a jump rope at the beginning of the podcast. <laughs> That would be so bad. <laughs> I don't think our headphones would like it. Do a shot, jump in a jump rope, <laughs> jump in a jump talk rope. on a podcast. Just like grade school. Hmm. <laughs> Where did you go to school? Mom, what Sorry, episode I had to it? have a drink. It's all right. That's what our podcast is about. <laughs> had to wet my whistle. Oh, to whistle. What episode is it? Uh, 23. Good job. Yay. Yay. Years are Winging by. <laughs> Every episode is a year. It's, it's, the podcast is 23 years old. Okay. No, do you have you any can't. of your pre-roll stuff you do? Well, just that this was a topic suggested by our lovely Lauren. Okay. Yes. Lauren, are you challenging us? I think you are. <laughs> she is. Lauren's like, let's just see how far we can push these women. Thanks, Lauren. Yes. It's quite <laughs> shocking how far she's going to push oh. us. Oh. Yes. It's electric. Okay, now. Every time we sing, we say, oh, we should do that But it's so fun. It is. And we keep doing it, so. It helps our energy. Yeah, so screw it. Yes. Electroconvulsive therapy. And I still want to call it electroshock. It kind of comes in my brain, like, immediately. I didn't see electroshock as much as I just saw shock. Really? Yeah. Which I think sounds the scariest. It's all scary. Shock therapy. The idea of being shocked is... Yeah, well, sure. I thought back to our episode that we did about unethical experiments. Which episode was that? Episode 15. <laughs> I always think I'm going to get you, but you, I never Oh, do. she was giving this look like I'm going to trip her up on this when I had it immediately ready. And you were like, ding, ding, ding. Although 15. you could say... It's called Wanna Shock a Dude, which I think is my favorite, favorite episode title. <laughs> Go listen to episode 15, Wanna Shock a Dude. When I think about shocking, that's what I think of is that part yeah. of that episode about shocking. And so even, I was trying to remember the number of volts that they went to. A lot. Yeah. But in this episode, we talk, we'll talk about how many volts they use these oh, days yeah. on. So last episode, mom told me beforehand, you are going to be leading this episode. It's kind of on you to like lead us yep. on this. And yep. in this episode, I did a little bit of research and mom has 42 pages <laughs> And I'm just going to sit back and drink wine. 
Uh, speaking of drinks, I'm very sorry. I best laid plans of mice and men. I really had like three ideas for themed drinks, and it's been just been too busy of a week for me to get it together. So because life life happens, yes, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. And those of you listening to the podcast know that life happens, and that's why everyone needs therapy. Go to therapy, everyone. <laughs> And that's a take. We're done. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Forty and Steps. You can find us on Twitter. You can... <laughs> All right. Okay. Do you want me to start? I actually? would like you to start okay. because because you're going to do a history thing. Because you're a history girl. Apparently so. This uh-huh. is my lot in life. <laughs> you're like the history girl. <laughs> yes, I am. Well, maybe just this little preface. Mm-hmm. Then most of us, when we hear that electroshock kind of idea, we have those visions of those movies that we've seen where people like, um, the I'll coo- get into it. Oh, okay. <laughs> but yes, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest yeah. is a big part of the stigma. But I just saw one the other day that's a modern movie. I think you told me to watch it. Side effects? Side Did effects? Did that have shock therapy in it? Well, there was a scene where this guy was kind of basically blackmailing this woman. Or like threatening or kind of. And they were standing outside of a room where there was a woman who was going to have uh, treatment. And, you know, she was... It looked very scary. Right. And so... um, I mean, okay, in fairness, if you went into any medical procedure, it would look terrifying. mm Mm-hmm. Just, I mean, basic surgeries. Like an appendectomy would look horrifying. Right. If you're you're not familiar with it. If you don't know what you're doing. So, like, I mean, devil's advocate. So throughout this discussion today... We're going to kind of go back and forth because we've done that before in other podcasts too where it's like there's a lot of research that says this, but then there's right. a lot of research that says this. No one so. agrees on anything ever. I know. So. Is that a psychology thing? That no one agrees on anything ever? Yeah. Probably. Psychology and philosophy. We just all have... Yeah, every, everyone has different ideas and everyone uses anecdotal experience like way right. harder than other experience, I think. So. Right. All right. I'm sitting on my creaky bench, but I'll try <laughs> to be quiet okay. while you tell us about the history. Yes. So first of all, the bottom line of mom used the phrase electroconvulsive therapy is it uses electricity, electro, to induce a seizure, convulsive, mm-hmm. which is used to provide relief from mental disorders therapy. Mm-hmm. So that's where we get that. And it's kind of... The phrase that kept coming up is, for reasons the doctors don't completely understand, uh, these seizures alleviate symptoms of depression, especially. So that is the kind of basis of what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Now, for a general timeline, induced seizures have actually been in use for centuries to treat various disorders. Uh, even way back in the 16th century, seizures were being induced with medication to treat psychiatric conditions. And that's baffling to me, because even now, we're like, I don't know why it works. So people in the 16th century were like, let's try this thing. We've had all this time, and we haven't (laughs) figured it out. Yeah. It was the mid-1700s that electricity started to be used instead of just uh, medication to induce it. And in 1755, it was used to cure a case of hysterical blindness. Wow. Yeah, that's fun, right? And Ben, Ben Franklin wrote that it cured a woman in hysterical fits. Whatever that means, Benjamin. She shocked her and she was like, I guess I'll just not do anything ever again because you're going to shock a woman instead of shock a dude. I mean, we know from from past experience that hysteria was at one point treated by manual stimulation. So uh, maybe maybe she was into it. (laughs) She's like, just another one of those things. Found a fetish. (laughs) No. Shock me again. So uh, Benjamin got more than he bargained for. (laughs) only you would go there okay ben's weird week (laughs) so by the mid 19th century gbc duchenne did you see that name Mm -mm. 
Me neither. Often. <laughs> Did you just make it up? Yeah. It's just off the top of you my head. Like off the top of my gourd. Yeah. <laughs> so Duchenne is often called the father of electrotherapy. Oh. And he said that no sincere neurologist could practice without the use of electrotherapy. So he was obviously a huge believer he is in this. Full, fully sold. He was all in. Okay. So convulsive therapy in a form closer to what we know now was introduced in 1934 by a Hungarian neuroscientist, Ladislas J. Meduna. Mm-hmm. I remember who, that one. You do? Because I thought of Medusa. <laughs> oh. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, it's not that close, but it's close he enough for my brain. He turned and then he shocks them. <laughs> He's thought to be the father of convulsive therapy. Are we keeping all these dads straight? There's been two already. I was going to say. <laughs> a lot of dads in this. Multiple dads. Multiple dads. <laughs> therapy has two dads, <laughs> and that's okay. But, oh, in my notes, I called him Funky Cold Maduna. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> That's so. So that's I where think my your brain notes went. are the most and fun your, notes. <laughs> and I went to Medusa because you went to Medusa. Thing. My notes from grad school are pretty fun too. Mm-hmm. Just take fun notes. That's how I stay focused. <laughs> so Funky Cold Maduna originally used something called camphor to induce seizures, which again is a is a substance instead of electricity. But eventually, two Italian professors, Carletti and Beanie had been using electrical shocks to produce seizures in animals, thought it could probably work in humans too. So they did some tests and they eventually made it work with human. Your mom's well, giving me a very Why are they shocking look. these animals? What would be the point? I think they were researching kind of the same stuff. Not mental disorders. They were like sad little guys? Sad little think, pigs? I, I saw a mental. picture of a guy a sad shocking a pig. What? Yeah. Like, <laughs> like so yeah. the pig was sad? I, that's what I'm asking. Why would you shock a pig? I'm not sure. I, I think it was to treat other things. I don't know if it was mental hmm. disorders, but it okay. might have been neurological disorders. Like, like some kind of seizure disorder yeah. or something? Yeah. Okay. So they started to use electrical process to induce seizures instead of camphor and also metrazole was another substance they used. Metrazole wasn't good. Metrazole was very bad. Patients who had to take metrazole reportedly experienced a feeling of terror after taking it, like before the seizure oh, induction would start. Oh, like, that's not good. Yeah, so they would just take it's scary this. enough. Yeah, exactly. Like. Like, you know what's about to happen, but now the medicine that you took is... Scare the crap out of you. Exactly. A Cleveland psychiatrist active at the time that this was happening said that nurses had to chase people around to get them to, like, to like oh. subdue them, to give them the metrozole. So, clearly... That's a fun job. <laughs> hey, do you need the patient chaser? <laughs> we just <laughs> need someone they to run to, around the room. They they're going to draw straws every night. Who has to be the patient chaser tonight? <laughs> it's like, who's wearing the best shoes? Who's wearing the best shoes? Nancy? Nancy, it's you. Sorry. Oh, here we go again. Okay. <laughs> oh, man. I should have worn my heels today. <laughs> So uh, these two Italian professors were actually nominated for a Nobel Prize for this, but hmm. they didn't get it. Dead face. They're like, don't shock pigs. We're not going to give you an award. <laughs> going to do it. I'm kind of glad they didn't get it. Because shame on them for shocking that's setting pigs. a bad precedent. Yeah. Don't shock pigs. <laughs> but they found, after they started to use it on humans, they found that after 10 to 20 treatments, they were seeing positive results, such as retrograde amnesia. So... That's a positive result? Well, here's why it's positive. It's positive because, sorry, maybe I shouldn't be laughing at this, but it's positive because if they have retrograde amnesia, the people that had it done wouldn't hate it because they didn't remember it happening. <laughs> so that's that's always a positive when you're talking about your medical treatment. 
is like they I don't can, remember a thing. We can so keep it's okay. doing it because they don't remember it, so they don't refuse oh it gosh. in the future. Okay. Yes. So the reason that people might have hated it at the time was that in the 40s and 50s, when it was mainly being used at this period, it looked a little different than the safer version we have today, which mom will talk about. But the version in the 40s and 50s was called unmodified electroconvulsive therapy. Mm. This means that the procedure did not involve muscle relaxants. So that meant that the seizures resulted in full-scale convulsions when they occurred. It wasn't good. It wasn't good. Like, because it can involve breaking bones. It can involve really hurting yourself. Yeah. So once they included the muscle relaxants, it became a lot easier. Eventually, psychiatrists started working with, actually, Carare, a muscle-paralyzing South American poison. Oh, my God. Yeah. This is... (laughs) Listen, all of this is why there's a little bit of a weird view about yeah, this whole practice. Yeah, yeah. But quite frankly, medical history is full of this kind of stuff to get us to where we are today. If you're listening to this like, wow, this is fascinating, you should listen to the podcast Sawbones from Justin and Sydney McElroy. They talk about all this weird medical history stuff. So <laughs> it's If you're into the weird medical you're history into, stuff. If you're listening to this like, ooh, yes, I like this a lot, then... <laughs> That's a whole wealth of it. <laughs> so you are being referred. <laughs> so eventually someone, somewhere, a very smart person said, maybe we shouldn't use a South American poison to do this. So they started to use synthetic alternatives to uh, induce muscle paralysis. And at which point the modified version became more common. They also introduced a short-acting anesthetic. And this was mostly to help people avoid the suffocating feeling that you can get from the procedure. Not from the actual, I know, not from the actual procedure itself, but from the muscle relaxants can kind of cause a suffocating feel like you can't breathe anymore yeah Mm. yeah so it's kind of they kept adding things to make it a little safer and a little easier to manage around the 1950s to the 1970s antidepressant medication came more into use (laughs) and the media also began portraying ect as something abusive and scary that's when the use of it kind of fell out of favor. It's kind of come back into favor. In 70s, a few 80s, is that what you said? Uh, from the 1950s to the 1970s, they said it's when. a lot of, okay. Yeah, is when medication became more prominent. Okay. But a few specific things contributed to it being seen as this big bad procedure. Like you said, one of them, one flew over the cuckoo's nest. Mm. So this is a 1962 novel by Ken Kesey. And it was made into a pretty famous film in 1975. You've probably, if not seen it, you've at least heard about it. It's in the cultural lexicon. It stars Jack Nicholson as a patient in a mental institution. And there's this nurse in the film, Nurse Ratched, and she's portrayed as this hard ass who uses threats and intimidation to keep the patients in line and keep them subdued. And one of her main threats and punishments is ECT. Mm. And she even uses it on the main character at one point. Mm. Like, it's portrayed in the film as this, like, horrendously traumatic experience. Uh So, okay. This is obviously sensationalized and it's dramatized, especially for a movie. But it wasn't entirely inaccurate. There's some evidence showing that, especially in mental institutions during the time that it was used, it was actually used to maintain order and control difficult patients. So there is some precedent for that. So it's not entirely out of the realm of possibility. So the author of the original novel, Kesey, actually worked in a mental institution in the 1950s. So he would have seen some of this firsthand. He saw that stuff, yeah. Yeah, it wasn't totally, he wasn't just sensationalizing it from nothing. Oh, I don't think we can even begin to imagine the horrors in those days. mental institutions in general were not a good place to be. Such a horrible We hear, I 
I'm real big into like ghost stuff and ghost shows and everything. And there are so many just like haunted asylums. Yeah. It's a huge, I mean, it's kind of a trope at this point in the, mm-hmm. in the supernatural world. It's because terrible things happened here. Exactly. So people died under horrible circumstances. And it's very scary to think about what we used to do to people who we were trying to help. Exactly. It's really sad. However, Kesey also would have seen the benefits of this procedure and actually in the novel a character attests to it a char- really yeah a character talks about how it can be a good thing uh-huh. um i have not read the novel i, I haven't either i, I saw the I've movie i haven't even seen the movie actually Ugh. yeah <laughs> looks a bit too intense yeah. and sometimes i just can't handle it so <laughs> i've not actually watched it yet but but yeah in the novel itself there is a character who talks about how ect can be useful and mm. and can be used for good so he does try to portray both uh, my theory is that when it got to movie version they wanted to make it as big and dramatic as possible so they played up that aspect of it mm-hmm. but that was a huge point against it against the whole procedure because mm-hmm. people saw that they had that in their mind right and then i mean when you see it on a big screen like that and you see the procedure happening. And like you said, even if it's good, it looks scary. Right. Because, well, and in that kind of situation, they're like strapped down. Yeah. And they have, and then they, you know, they're awake. Right. When they do it. So mm. it's not like they're relaxed at all. No. They're fighting against it. Right. And then, then the, then the electricity and they put that thing in their mouth so that, you know, because of the seizure or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it's just a terrible image. Yeah, it's really scary. And that's and that's how it was supposed to be portrayed. It's how the filmmakers were meaning to portray it. Well, and it's not only, you know, in that kind of picture, it's not only what's happening right then, but that idea of this is going to scramble my brain. Mm-hmm. It's going to erase my memories. It's going to make me no longer be who I am. Yeah. And to totally lose control of you, who you are. It doesn't go know? quite that far, but that is but the that's perception. The, exactly. Yeah. That's what that's what that image on the like, screen we kind presented of, I think a lot of people kind of equate it to lobotomy exactly in that way but it's, yeah. it's not that it, that is not how it is and right. that's not how it works but that's how it's been kind of connected in the cultural mindset right so that is really works against it when it's brought up basically. yeah so for a lot of people that's as far as we've gone mm-hmm. because we heard yeah. that or we saw that and then we haven't done further research so right there was actually uh while i was researching this my husband pointed out he's a big um history political buff and he led me to a man named Thomas Eagleton. So Thomas Eagleton was a vice presidential candidate in 1972 in the Democratic election. And it came out eventually that he had undergone ECT twice in the 1960s. So hmm. not even while he was running. It was it was like a dozen years before that. But it was due to exhaustion and a diagnosis of bipolar disorder. Hmm. So originally, the guy he was running with, George McGovern, said he's going to back Eagleton a thousand percent is a direct quote. He was Mm going to back Eagleton a thousand percent. But then he consulted with Eagleton's doctors who said, well, there might be a chance that Eagleton's depression will come back. Mm -hmm. So that'll put the country in danger if he were to become president. He was running for vice president, by the way. So... A Time Magazine poll at the time actually said that 77% of people reported that Eagleton's medical record wouldn't affect their vote, but the press would not let up. Like, they kept bringing up his quote-unquote shock therapy as, like, a way to smear his name. Mm. And eventually he got dropped from the ticket. So sometimes we think that that political stuff that we see nowadays is just mm. now, mm, it's always been there. Yeah. And yeah. that's awful that for the him. The smear campaigns and everything. Yeah. But then they lost to Nixon, so good job, America. Oh, well. <laughs> See what you did? Oh, well. Go in the corner, America. <laughs> Look at what happened because of stigma. That's it. And as a little last note, 
I have to get on my LGBT soapbox for a second. Because in the 1950s, ECT was also used as a quote-unquote treatment for homosexuality because this was still in the dark ages when being gay was seen as a mental illness. So it wasn't a huge use of shock therapy. Like it's not, it wasn't one of the main reasons that people did it, mm-hmm. but it was definitely present. It, it's definitely in the cultural mindset. And it fell out of use for this when there was an utter lack of evidence that it changed anyone's sexuality because that's not how any of this works. So, yeah, there was just a total lack of success because, of course, there was. The mental health community, like, got woke, obviously. And this is not how it's used at all anyway. In any context, like, it's not like ECT is used for this. I don't want you to get that impression. But Mm -hmm. it kind of became part of the lasting stigma around the treatment. Mm -hmm. Like, as we, especially in the minds of LGBT people who associated with basically conversion therapy right and so that is kind of another just again like i said point against it in why we look at it as something really i almost said shocking and i didn't mean to (laughs) as something shocking and something like instead of helpful abusive and traumatic basically okay that's the history and that brings us to now nowadays 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 so you might think oh well certainly we don't still use this kind of treatment but no. indeed why we would do. we use something as inhumane as shock therapy ma'am and yet we do <laughs> we do and if you if you do research into this as i said at the beginning of the podcast you will uncover a whole lot of people who are very opposed to it. I mean, there are whole like websites oh, and yeah. movements that are determined to end totally this, this whole, it. yeah, completely make it illegal. Um, but that's really not happening in our society at all. As a matter of fact, as early as like 2016, the APA endorsed it and said, this is something that really works and we Recent, need to do this. Yeah. yeah. So even now, and, and it's kind of hard, I was telling Anna before the podcast, it's kind of hard to find like real recent statistics. Mm-hmm. And that was an, another thing that I read, like there's not a lot of research going on about it right now. But just within the last few years, we know that approximately 1.4 million people worldwide will have this treatment. That is um, a way higher number than I would have expected. That's worldwide. And then in the United States, 100,000. Still pretty, that's, I mean, that's That's a lot, isn't it? That's yeah. a lot. And so there there are a lot of people who are still getting this treatment. So let me, and if you if you do research into it, like you can, you can look at like John Hopkins and mm-hmm. Mayo's mm-hmm. top research medical foundations what am i trying to say organizations they, i saw something from webmd yeah they that said ect is among the safest and most effective treatments available for depression yeah they're like they're there for it then so, again webmd i once worked with <laughs> i once worked with someone sure who uh, <laughs> she she had the flu and she typed in her symptoms and webmd said she had minor radiation poisoning <laughs> so yeah, I'm you not, can't read it, believe everything on the sure internet. How good, how good WebMD is here as a source, but that's that's my source. So, how about if we just talk about what happens? And you kind of started talking about about what actually happens when you have. See, I still have my brain etc. ECT. I, I'm just saying shock therapy because it's easier therapy. for me. I maybe that's not a kosher thing to say. I don't know if that's it's politically PC. incorrect. Yeah, I think. Um, but I was going to say that when you said something before that when this fell out of favor was by now seventy years ago. 
uh, that's a significant amount of time for us to get better about the actual medical procedure of it right. and to come up with even safer ways to do it. Right. So, I mean, even this kind of perception that we have now of what it is is probably not what it actually looks like. So I am interested to hear what it actually looks like. So let me tell you first, like, I'm going to stand on the side of the, this is a good treatment and this is safe and this is effective. Anna mentioned that the majority of people who are treated with this, it's from major depression. Um, But they also treat bipolar disorder and schizophrenia and autism. There There are a lot of different uses for it. But still, major depression is the number one. And this is like if if a client already has tried medication, various kinds of medication, and just are not finding any relief from their depression. <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> I had to burp. Sorry. And- Mom doesn't want to burp in the microphone. She's a coward. <laughs> I am not like my daughter. I will not belch. Let it out. This is our I will podcast. not belch on air. Pour, on <laughs> Pour your wine and I will try not to belch. <laughs> So basically what happens, and and what I'm going to do is kind of just talk you through, like this is just a medical procedure, okay? So that's what it is. Yeah, so if you're going to have ECT, um, you're going to come in, before you have ECT, patients are asked not to eat or drink from like midnight the night before until treatment. Kind of like when you're going to have surgery. Sure. You know, during the procedure, the patient- Is that for the anesthesia? Yes. During the procedure, the patient receives a short-acting anesthetic, which puts the patient to sleep for approximately five to 10 minutes, and also a muscle relaxant, which Anna talked about, that's used during the procedure to stop the patient's muscles from moving during the procedure. It's probably not a South American poison, but you can't rule it out. (laughs) But I'm going to come back to that because what they are using now is pretty dangerous stuff. Oh, okay. Put a pin in it. Yeah, put a pin in it. In your procedure, there will be monitoring pads that are placed on your heart, cardiac pads that keep track of your heart rate and what's happening there. On your chest, you'll have those pads. Also then, four electrodes will be placed on specific areas on your head. Two electrodes will actually be monitoring your brain waves, you know, kind of checking out what's happening with your brain. And the other two are actually delivering a short controlled set of electrical pulses for a few seconds. Now, again, remember, I'm standing on the side of the pro shock people, right? This is how they describe it. Well, this isn't even pro or con. This is just talking about what the procedure is. Well, but it's kind of like media. It depends on how you say it. You can say the facts in a certain tone well, of sure. voice and a certain... Because what I'm saying sounds very harmless, doesn't it? They're yeah. going to give you these short controlled... That's an important word. Short controlled set of electrical pulses for just a few seconds. The electrical pulses must produce a generalized seizure, though, to be effective. And that's what Anna was saying. Basically, convulsion. Right. Seizure. At some point, I don't know when you want me to stick this in, I have some of the reasons it might work in the brain. Like, I have some brain talk here. Yeah, let's, I'm going to come to that in just a second. Okay, cool. Okay, so the electrical pulses cause you to have a seizure. Because you're under anesthesia, though, and the muscle relaxants, none of those bad, bad things that Anna talked about from early happen. Like, you don't break your bones and, you know, bite your tongue and all that stuff. So that's because you're basically paralyzed. So what they do, and I this is kind of freaky to me, but it's part of it. They put a cuff around one of your ankles, like a blood pressure cuff, to keep the medication. <laughs> I was picturing a hand cuff. I was <laughs> like, what? <laughs> to keep the medication from going to your foot. And then they observe that foot for your seizure activity. Whoa. Which I'm going to go back to the movie that I talked about earlier. The Side, side effects, effects movie. movie. That's a, Hey, that's a bad movie. Don't watch it. It's, Did you like it? 
So you did watch it. It's I, creepy as crap. I watched it before you did, didn't I? You told me to watch it, I think. Yeah. About the, about the patient who isn't really... Yeah. Like, okay, all right. Oh, yeah. big spoiler. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't really spoiler. say... I just said she isn't really, but she is. There's but someone there's faking some something. Stuff. Yeah. Jude Law's in there. That's kind of cool. Yeah, that was the only reason Rooney I really Mara's enjoyed it. Rooney Mara's in there. It. I like her, too. Like, it, Catherine Zeta-Jones is there. Oh, well, anytime she's there, it's good. Right. Yeah. There, it's a great cast, weird premise... But it makes psychology look really bad. As a counselor, it scared the shit out yeah, of me. Yeah, it's horrifying. Because it was like... Okay, wait, it shouldn't. Because I don't know about I you. Don't I was we do man. Okay, so. we're... Hey, here's another Are podcast we- plug. <laughs> uh, listen to Popcorn Psychology if you want uh, people who probably know more than us who, who dissect movies <laughs> in a more comprehensive way. But okay. the, the psychologist, in, I think he's a psychiatrist. Yes, um, he is. He does medication. That's the whole point of the movie, right. you know? But um, <laughs> he like... he Everything he does is so bad and wrong. I was sitting there going, why are you doing that? I know. Every step screen. that he would take, it was Everyone. like, that is not what so you please, should So please, if you want to watch this side effects movie, go ahead. But please don't think that's how we operate. Don't judge all therapists don't. by this guy. Hashtag not all therapists. Yeah. Although not all therapists are as hot as him. But, you know, that's a whole Speak separation. Speak for yourself, mom. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, you are. But you know. I'm talking male therapists here. Okay. <laughs> there are many hot female therapists. <laughs> and there's two in this room. All right, la, here, la, baby. La, 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 la. <laughs> that was a very weird sound. Thank you. Okay. I have no idea where it I adds, am. It adds to my sex appeal. <laughs> Go ahead. We were, I don't know what we were talking about. Oh, the I'm cuff. so lost. The okay, cuff. yeah. In that movie, that's it yes. shows that. And okay. he says, this is not, I don't think ruining anything. <laughs> we're, is- we've already ruined the whole freaking movie, but... <laughs> He says to this girl, watch her foot, because that's when you know she's having a seizure. Okay. And so it's kind of like, ooh, I learned about something before that's I knew. fun. Yeah. That was the one thing he did right. I actually movie. learned something from that movie. <laughs> if you do have ECT, the chances are pretty good. How do I say this? One source I saw said 70 to 90%. Another source I saw said 80%. So that's kind of <laughs> the same thing. That's in the middle. <laughs> It's um, right there. But they report relief from their symptoms. Sure. So it only takes about five to ten minutes. They're probably going to put a mouth guard in to protect your teeth and your tongue from any injury. Because even though you have all this muscle relaxer, they're, they're, well, they they sure. want to be safe. Yeah. They may give you oxygen. If this goes back to what you said about how sometimes people, when they have that muscle relaxer, yeah. they feel like they can't breathe. Because yeah. it's kind of like you get so relaxed that you don't you just breathe forget. anymore. You yeah. to breathe. Yeah. So if you have this treatment, you will wake up about five to ten minutes after the end of the treatment, and then you'll be moved to recovery room, and you'll be there until your blood pressure and pulse and breathing all go back to normal. And that takes about 20 to 25 minutes. See, it's just a medical procedure, right? Yeah, I mean, like, that's still a lot. Like, when you think of a seizure and how long a seizure takes, mm-hmm. it, it really doesn't last that long, does no, it? No, it's like 60 seconds. Yeah. The actual treatment lasts, like the whole session lasts an hour. But that includes the time that you're in the treatment room and the time you're Prep. in recovery and yep. all that. And they, they I mean, would, anesthesia itself takes a while to exactly. get they, into and get And they tell you that you shouldn't drive yourself home, but that's mostly because well, of the sure. anesthesia. Yeah. And you shouldn't drive for 24 hours. Is it but, like an outpatient thing? Yes. Wow. You just go in and okay. get 
get zapped. And well, and that's another, I mean, even me sitting here as a counselor, I, I had the perception that it's only used like when you're admitted inpatient. into a, an inpatient program. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And actually the, the percentages, I didn't write that part down, but they're much higher. There's a lot outpatient? of people that get it outpatient. Wow. Okay. Just going to get zapped and go home. That sounds delightful. Mm-hmm. It is. And you'll do that for like several, you know, a few times a week for several weeks, Mm -hmm. depending on what your diagnosis is. There's two different kinds of ECT. One is unilateral and one's bilateral. The bilateral ones, obviously, the electrodes are placed on either side of your head and the treatments affect your entire brain. The unilateral one, just they put one electrode on the top of your head and the other one is placed on your right temple. And this treatment will affect only the right side of your brain. So it's specific for unique situations. Okay. Do okay. You, do you know what situations I don't. are? Well, what would right brain be? That'd be like would that be like delusions and stuff? Maybe. See, even talking about that scares me. You know, back in the episode we talked about hypnosis, and you had just kind of a general bias against it. Yeah. That's how I feel about this. About this? Yeah. I do. I feel like. Well, then we're totally opposite because I like the more I have researched this, the more I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, this is way safer than I thought. Right. This is way different than I had the stigma that was in my head because of the way it's been portrayed. Doing the research for this was very enlightening for me and saying like, ah, okay, this is very, it it just looks different than the way I thought it looked. Mm -hmm. Some hospitals employ what they call ultra brief pulses. These last less, this is, I can't even put my mind around this. These last less than half a millisecond. I don't even know what that means. Compared <laughs> to the standard one millisecond pulse. So they're like pulsing. Okay. Shorter pulses are believed to help prevent So even prevent regular the... ones are just a millisecond? Well, they're like pulsing. Yeah. But this is supposed to help prevent the memory loss, which is the biggest... That is the biggest downside negative, that I saw in my yeah, research. Yeah, side effect. In my research, Carrie Fisher, our princess in general, Leia Organa, used DCT. Yeah? Yeah, she talked about it. Um, I, Carrie Fisher was a huge advocate for mental health she She struggled with a lot of mental Mm -hmm. health issues she was huge on trying to remove the stigma so she was really really open um she herself struggled with bipolar disorder and drug use and just just a lot of stuff and she talked about it in her memoir uh shockaholic is her memoir i heard other great things that she's just hilarious she is uses humor as a great great tool for dealing with mental illness and she talked about how useful shock therapy was in treating her quote-unquote stubborn depression mm. so like you said earlier just the depression cases that medication is not reactive to right therapy isn't really working just the kind of depression that nothing else has been useful for right there's a quote from this memoir that says the truly negative thing about ect is that it's incredibly hungry and the only thing it has a taste for is memory Hmm. so that's sad it is i had read too like on the pro side yeah that people who have depression lose memory anyway that that's a symptom of depression well well not even i mean losing memory but you're not creating memories because you're not able to attend to life as right, well right so it's like anything in anything it's a pros and cons game mm-hmm. and so it's like okay well the con is if you don't do it you're going to be living your life the way you are now. Do you like that? Do you like how you're living your life? I mean, I know plenty of people with stubborn depression who right. maybe would benefit right. from something like this just because they have tried everything. They are on medication. It's not working. They have been in therapy. It's not working. Have you ever worked with someone who had? No. I have one client who... Really? She she struggles with depression, major depression. Did she report that it was useful? No. 
But, I mean, she has tried so much. She's been on every medication she's been on. Okay, and that was my devil's advocate thing before. That if we're talking about, if we're just, that's anecdotal. If someone's saying, like, well, it wasn't useful for me. Like, okay, like, depression medication isn't useful for a lot of people, too. But we're not going to throw that out the window just because some people didn't find it useful. Exactly. That's true. I guess, but being, here, here comes my bias again. That's okay. But... You know me. I'm not real big on meds either. So it's true. Yeah. Uh, anything that's going to totally alter my brain, and I'm, I'm like, eh, on, I'm don't not... mess with my brain. <laughs> okay. <laughs> brain's all I got, man. But don't like, mess with it. I have used this. I've had to, uh, in the past week, I've actually had to talk to several people about medication. And talking about stigma, I mean, this is a great episode to talk about stigma yeah. in, in that the medication stigma that exists is it's a happy pill. It's doing something to my brain like you just said it will change my personality it's gonna change me it's gonna do i won't have control over my all this stuff and what i have to say to them is okay your brain your body is not making something that it should be making Mm -hmm. this medication is making your brain and body make the thing that it should be making Mm -hmm. if it just worked normal like regular it's just like a diabetic taking insulin Mm-hmm. That's a, a good. A diabetic taking insulin is not saying, "Well, I don't want to put something foreign into my body." It's a thing that your body should be making. There's just a fault in it. Sometimes we have faulty wiring, but we have the technology to fix it. Why aren't we using it? Mm-hmm. Just because we have this stigma of like, "Oh, it's gonna make me. It's gonna do a happy pill thing. And I'm not gonna be me." No, it's you're gonna be more you if you're able to actually be like a functioning person. Mm-hmm. But that's my that's my bias on it too. One of the articles I read was by a woman who had a child who was on the autism spectrum. Yeah. I had no idea it was used for autism. So far on the spectrum that he would harm himself. He was, you know, acting out very negatively and and really hurting himself and hurting others around him. Yeah. And so he had the treatment to calm down his behaviors. So on the pro side of that, obviously, you know, from her point of view, it's like my child will hurt himself. I can't imagine being a mother watching your child hurting himself, you know. Which depression makes you do as well. Right. And then on the other side of that, you would have people would say, well, of course he doesn't hurt himself anymore because he's basically vegged out because he's been shocked so much. Because a lot of the negative that I read was about how basically it's like having a brain injury. It's like if you look at a a patient who has a serious brain injury and they don't have a lot of emotion or they don't, you know, they don't have a lot Mm -hmm. of emotions, the best word I can come up with. So the electroshock kind of does that. It deadens the, you know, let's go back to what what you were. Okay, go ahead. No, go on. Well, I was going to say, what if it's deadening the part that's hurting us? That's a good, that you said that before and I really, if we could, if we could direct it that way. Right. Which that's a good point that I, I don't know enough about it to know how directed it can be well if I were looking at my child who had been diagnosed with autism and he was hurting himself and this treatment helped him not to hurt himself even if he just sat there calmly in my arms at least he's not yeah so it's it's, kind of like it's kind of a lesser of two evils exactly Yeah. yeah so so looking at it like a mom I can see that. Can we go back to what you said? You had some stuff about what it actually does. Because why does this... Because I have a little bit, but I'll see if what you have is like what I have. So from, like I said, a lot of the research that I saw said we don't really know. But from the research that I did, there are short-term effects of this in the frontal lobe and then kind of more longer-term effects in the medial temporal lobe. So in the frontal lobe... So this is where dopamine lives. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of, in my theory, that's why it might be effective for depression, just because it's shocking something kind of like... (laughs) 
the the way I picture it in my five year old brain is like there's a there's a a sack of like dopamine and it's like like the in the sack of the, meat is the, a sack the, of dopamine. The thing that like like puts like spits the dopamine out is like clogged, and so a seizure like shakes it. And then, like, unclogs it. it. Yeah. yeah. And so, like, it makes the dopamine work better. I did read that as well, that ECT may flood the... <laughs> I read it, too. It that it shocks the dopamine sack. It shocks sack. the dopamine and- sack. <laughs> <laughs> Both... <laughs> I lost... I'm trying to focus here, Anna. Trying to be intellectual. ECT may flood the brain with neurotransmitters such as serotonin and dopamine. Right. Which are known to be evolved in conditions like depression and schizophrenia. Which could also be just because our brain's experiencing something possibly harmful and traumatic. Yeah, traumatic. And it's it's like, like, oh, got to give you some Shoots everything out. (laughs) Got to distract you from this. Yeah. But there are studies about people for whom ECT has been effective, and they show that the responders, people who respond to the ECT, have anticonvulsant reactions in their in their frontal lobe, which may affect the dopamine production. Mm. And then in the temporal lobe, there could be an increased passage of blood through this lobe and a growth of the hippocampus, but also the temporal lobe has a big part in memory. And like I said, ECT is even now pretty notorious for causing some memory loss so that's where the negative side comes right, in right right that's good thank you I'm, my, I'm the brain in history person. my biggest my biggest brain quote is this one that says ect brings about various neurophysiological as well as neurochemical changes in the macro and micro environment of the brain that is okay Having been through grad school, that is something I would write in a paper when what I'm saying is <laughs> I don't stuff know. happens. <laughs> some stuff is uh, happening. Some all kinds of stuff. There are big and small okay. changes in the big and small parts of the big brain. <laughs> okay. <And there's laughs> How about this next sentence? The next sentence says, diverse changes involving expression. Oh <laughs> now, come on. Give me, I got to use my fancy voice. Okay. Diverse changes involving expression of genes, functional connectivity, neurochemicals, permeability. <laughs> when you're trying to reach the word count. Permeability of blood-brain barrier, alteration in immune system has okay. been suggested. Blood-brain be barrier is the thing. I've heard that before. Okay, so maybe this quote is not as dumb as I thought. It's not dumb. It's smart. But it's... It's it, too smart. It's, it's still dumb right. smart. It's like big words that make you say, hmm, maybe this might be happening and sort of this well, could be Well, it's big happening. words that kind of make you zone out. Yeah. And then so you're like, oh, I guess they know what they're talking about when they could just say it differently. Well, like, everybody's different. So some people hear big words and they're like, whoo, whoo, I am so turned on. <laughs> Some people's fetish might be electrical shocks. Some people's (laughs) fetish may be five cent words. It's fine. Whatever your fetish is, you be you. No kink shaming here on Freudian (laughs) Sips. Okay, so I'm going to step for just a moment into the negative camp. Okay. I'm going there. Go there. I'm going there. there. I'm watching her go. She's walking away. Here I go. Tip, tip, tap, tip, tap, tip, tap. Because if you go online, there are some negative, negative sites about it. Like I said, there's negatives to everything. Right, exactly. But just the fact that in ECT in general, the amount of volts of electricity, this goes back to what we were talking about before about how many volts we used in that one bad study. 460 volts go into your body, go into your brain. I can't remember what the... Like lethal dose that I'm, they were yeah, using. Yeah, I was. can't remember either. I think it was four hundred something. You should Google that. All right. I don't remember. 
Sorry, I didn't bring my computer today. Mm, all right. Kind of an interesting quote by a biomedical engineer that I thought was interesting that says, quote, to say that your brain needs 460 volts of electric shock is like saying your computer needs a lightning strike. Some computers, maybe. <laughs> my computer that I'm looking at right now could do could with the lightning shock. strike. <laughs> Oh, yeah, you're right. Continued to the highest level of 450 volts for the Milgram experiment. Wow. And that was, like, supposed to maybe give people heart attacks and uh-huh. stuff. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. So 460 is what goes into your brain. So it is consistent with brain damage, that it can cause brain damage. Right. It literally does, and that's why it changes. But that's we go we back to what you were about. saying, yeah. right? So um, I said this earlier, and I just kind of think that it, it needs to be repeated, that in 2016, the American Psychiatric Association stated, and this is a quote, having access to a rapid and effective treatment such as ECT is especially meaningful in children and adolescents. That scares me. That does, okay, only because if we're talking about the brain, the development of the brain is at its peak at that point. Exactly. So I, I, we're going to zap it when if it's we're, growing? It, this is where we're on the same page, that I don't think it's a good idea for, for people with a developing brain. And so that would kind of lead me into that place like, well, we all have choices. If we make a choice as an adult to have ECT, that's our life, that's our brain, that's our choice. However, mm-hmm. And obviously, children don't have that choice because their guardians or parents make that choice. Well, and they're too young to know what informed consent is. But basically, I would add this footnote that people who are clinically depressed maybe don't have the ability to make that choice either. I mean, you could argue that people who are schizophrenic or in major depression... They might not have full faculty to say, I would like to have electric They shock. also don't have full faculty to say, I'm going to kill myself. That's true. But oh, that happens. That reminds me of something. Wait. Because Let- that's what, well, so I, while she's flip, flip, flipping through her paper notes, hear that, Josh? You're not the only one that uses paper notes. <laughs> Josh, I love that about you. By the way, <laughs> I wanted to say that. I love when uh, he's like flipping through his notebook or something. I'm like, our, cool. Our necessary bullshit brothers, uh, Josh, I'm calling, like, calling you out, Josh. I'm going to do like it when we talk young to. and up and coming, and he has like notes. He talks about like actually using a notebook. Oh, some of the research said that some of the best times to use this are crisis situations because it's, again, like we were talking about the lesser of two evils. Like if someone is so depressed, they are going to kill themselves. Right. They are going to enact a plan to harm themselves. Then why not? Okay. (laughs) Why not try something as alternative as this? That will keep them from killing themselves. Possibly. Or like the person who was diagnosed autism instead of letting him hurt himself. I mean... I never really read anything about like people being zombified from it or anything. Like, like no, and it's one not of the lobotomy, is, like no, I for, said. For people who have catatonia, yeah, that would kind of be the opposite. Right. And because like I would, said, like hysterical blindness was cured right, at one point. Exactly. This kind of goes along with what you said about suicide, though, in the way that you and I just, a little while ago, I got on a little bit of my soapbox about how it depends on how you report things. Yes. You know, by the tone of your voice and by the information you share and the way you slant it. And that's what leads me to this, because you brought up the, the suicide thing. That this is this is from like one of the uh, sites that I read some information on that were opposed to ECT. And they said ECT can be fatal, mm-hmm. that it can be fatal, although deaths are extremely rare. And then on another site that I saw, because I looked up the ECT on the pro side. Yeah. And on the pro side, they say about 1 in 10,000 people die from ECT. 
One out of 10,000. I think there's probably higher numbers for that for like routine surgeries. Well, so then what they say to kind of put a twist on it is this is lower than the U.S. suicide rate, which is estimated at 12 in 100,000. So when I first read it, I went, 12? Crap. 12 compared to 1? But then I realized they were saying... That's 1.2 in 10,000. Exactly. It's still lower. Still lower. But... Technically. This much. True. This much. But but do you know what I'm saying about the twisting thing? Yes. Okay. Well, Well, acknowledge that I'm right That goes into a whole other conversation about statistics and misleading representation. The way you you report them. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. We could probably do a whole episode on statistics and we might need to. If you are ever looking at anything and it has numbers in it, be skeptical. 10%. Yeah. Anything. (laughs) Anything. If you're like, well, statistics show, be like, what statistics? Mm -hmm. Which ones? Tell me. Like, it's, mm, people can use statistics. There's like that, is it Mark Twain? That's like, there's three types of untruths in the world, like lies, damn lies, and statistics. Yeah. Is that Mark Twain? I think so. Sounds like him. Sounds Mark Twain-y. He's kind of sassy. He's a sassy boy. Yep. So just a few risks. Yeah. But okay, I I would, my guess here, I'm going to place a bet on one of the biggest risks being anesthesia, because anesthesia is a big risk. Uh Uh-huh. Just in general. That would fall under medical complications. Yes. Okay. Mm Mm-hmm. I would say that probably my bet would go toward those 10 deaths being anesthesia related. One in 10,000 is how many deaths from ECT. See, I didn't get ECT. So yeah, 10 deaths and 100,000. Right, yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. That's, your I brain, was, your brain was, transposed it yeah, or transposing whatever. Yeah, it. Like, yeah. You use it. Uh, so like, yeah. You I, are so mathematical. It does I, it automatically. I just, <laughs> I just do it. <laughs> You're like a little computer. Just <laughs> a little calculator over here. Boop, 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 but boop, boop. but yeah, it's I I would guess that those deaths are from anesthesia because anesthesia can be like when they say like well don't eat you know for twelve hours before it mm-hmm. literally if you eat and then you go under anesthesia you can die right so that's why you don't eat before it. yeah they say that during ECT heart rate and blood pressure increase and in rare cases that can lead to like a heart attack. sure but they know that and that's one of the things they're. They're monitoring your yeah. heart. Yeah, I am way more pro ACT than I thought I was. I was going to say you're like you're totally <laughs> I, I on am board defending for this. it really I hard. I guess you even have a look on your face. Like I'm kind of offended that you're I like know. <laughs> like crapping on ACT. <laughs> I like leave my leave my son alone. <laughs> I guess I like ACT, it. Kind of surprises me. You're you're learning this at the same time that I'm learning seems it. Out of your area, you know, like your personality. I'm your, a weirdo. You kind of have dichotomies. <laughs> Doesn't like, everyone? What? No, I mean not as much as you. Oh. You're like, whoa, swing oh, okay. this way, then swing that way. I've be- I, I have a hard time. I've keeping become up with a lot you. more open to like you said, like I'm really I'm kind of against medication. I used to be really against medication, but I've come around to I've come right. I've come around to like sometimes it really is necessary. I'm on that page with you. I agree with that. And like I, that's kind of what I feel about this. That like listen, sometimes you don't have options. Right. Sometimes your two options are I'm going to kill myself or I try something radical. Right. Okay. Right. Let's try something radical. Right. So I think maybe the way to footnote that is to say. These are some kind of extreme cases. Oh, yeah. You've already this tried not, a lot of it. It's yeah. not like the first thing out of the gate. It's not like you bypass medication entirely. Yeah. You're no, like, give no. me ECT. Yeah. Like you, you have, I don't want meds. This Just is after me, you've yeah. gone through a whole rigmarole of trying a right. whole bunch of medications, which I've had a lot of clients who are like, listen, I've tried like five yeah. antidepressants and they don't work. So, right. I mean, there, there are cases where like, listen, just nothing is working. What do we do? Right. 
So some of the side effects, just like after you have the treatment, are things that, again, go back to also if you have any kind of anesthesia, nausea, headache, jaw pain. That would be from the convulsions. Muscle oh, oh. ache. Yeah, I didn't think, uh, you would probably be sore. Yeah, yeah. I mean, even with muscle relaxants, you'd probably right. be sore. Right, When I think about someone putting me into seizure on purpose, that scares me. But I also have this talk with people that I have that have panic attacks mm-hmm. and how it wipes them out. How yeah, they're just that freaking exhausted. Yeah, yeah. so like, sense. again, it's like, where is the line between pro and con here? Right. Um, one of the side effects they list is confusion, especially right after the treatment. You could experience some confusion. Um, but again, anesthesia. I mean, good Lord. Yeah. After <laughs> after like a colonoscopy. I was just, I wasn't, wasn't going to call gonna, you out. You were going to protect me, weren't you? I was going to try. <laughs> but if you bring it up. But I went past 50 and that means a colonoscopy. <laughs> Mom got out of her colonoscopy and I was taking her home and she said, we're getting pizza. And I said, we shouldn't eat pizza. I said, you, you're going to be upset with yourself if you eat pizza. And she said, turn the car toward pizza. And I said, okay. Screw it. I mean, pizza. Was, I then die she, tomorrow. She ate all the pizza. <laughs> I don't remember eating any of the pizza. See? I, I have I'm anesthesia, folks. <laughs> I have spotty memories of looking over at Anna while I was stuffing pizza in my face. <laughs> That could just be our regular Friday, though. I was so. going to say, it was kind of like any Friday, except it didn't have any alcohol. So I don't know. So not like a regular Friday. And on the other side of that, you know, I've been with other people who have gone through that, mm-hmm. who have come out of anesthesia and just said and done the weirdest things. Yeah. And then later you ask them about it and they're like, oh, I don't no remember idea. that at all. Yeah. I remember asking you, like, where did I put my clothes? Did I like just... <laughs> Stand in front of you and put my clothes on? Did I go into the... Like, was I modest? Was I like, woo? I, I was out of the... I walked into the room and you were clothed, so I don't know. I'm so modest that I probably, like, put my clothes on when someone blinked their I eyes. do... I, I came in afterwards and the doctor was, like, talking to us, which is dumb. Like, yeah. they should... They should wait, right? But so he's like telling me this stuff because I'm supposed to be reporting it to you later, and you're just like Woo, having the time of your life. That colonoscopy is some fun <laughs> shit. Winking at the doctor, and I'm like, okay, I'll tell her later. Well, the doctor, remember the doctor was I had taught his son at yeah. one point. Yeah. Taught his son taekwondo actually. Yeah. And so I'm like, oh my gosh, the doctor going into it, I was very paranoid. You're I was very like, nervous. Oh You're god, like, the doctor be so embarrassing. I know he's gonna like do a colonoscopy. Don't even want to say that word. It's just <laughs> embarrassing. And then afterwards, you're like, whatever, dude. <laughs> <laughs> like, look at my butt again, doc. <laughs> yeah. So the point is, anesthesia can anesthesia be. Anesthesia is weird. Yeah. So it might not have anything to do with the shock and at all. I, I read some terrible stuff online that was like, it, it was a question on Reddit that was basically like, hey, doctors, what's the worst thing you've heard from a patient? And a lot of doctors chimed in that were like, <laughs> patients came in that were about to have a procedure that had anesthesia. And they have to ask them, like, had they eaten anything in the last 12 hours? Oh, God. And sometimes they're like, well, they only eat like a little. And they have to be like, what did they eat? And if it's anything anything they cannot do the procedure because Mm. it will mess with the anesthesia it might kill you so if you let your kid have breakfast because they were talking about that that they were hungry and then they're going to have an anesthesia procedure they could die Mm -hmm. so it's it's nothing it's it's no joke 
So that kind of goes with the memory loss. I mean, we just said that. I, I mean, agree. that's yeah, a big, I would agree with that. But I it's, mean, we it's can't. More, it's longer. Term. We can't excuse it completely. No. But obviously, when you get electrical shock into your brain, yes, it could cause some memory yes. loss. So, and, and like I like I said, Carrie Fisher is <laughs> right is the the pinnacle of this. So she she was very open about how she does struggle with this, and I, I do think memory loss was. It's not just like she didn't remember the procedure; like it it's affected her yeah. long term memory. So, right. what else should I talk about? If you do, if you do researches going back to the, if you go into it and you look things up, you will find several sources that are like nobody should have this. This is terrible. Sure. It gives brain damage. Well, it's- on the and and on the same token, I think like I was telling mom that I looked at Johns Hopkins. Hop, John, there's so many S's <laughs> in that. Johns Hopkins medicines. <laughs> Johns Hopkins medicine says. No one is sure how ECT helps certain psychiatric disorders. That's a direct quote. No one is sure. Mm-hmm. That's Johns Hopkins. Johns Hopkins. Yeah. yeah. They're, they're, like they're the, pretty big. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's really, it's not like everything we've talked about, it feels like it's not really understood. And we have to do more research on it. And it's continuing to evolve just like every other medical practice. Mm-hmm. I thought it was interesting that I was reading also about other, there are other treatments that they consider brain oh, yes. stimulation. Yeah. There's one that's called transcranial magnetic stimulation tms Mm -hmm. it's also used to treat depression and it involves the use of rapidly alternating magnetic fields i thought about those magnetic things that we talked about during hypnosis stuff oh the magnetic fields that we have magnetic fields in our body yeah but this uses magnetic fields to stimulate specific areas of your brain unlike ect (laughs) mesmer was right he was right right all this time Unlike ECT, TMS does not cause a seizure, and the patient remains awake through this non-invasive process, so it's much less traumatic, you know, in in the eyes of the beholders, I guess. Sure. TMS typically only has mild side effects, including perhaps headaches and muscle twitches and pain at the stimulation site. TMS is usually administered four or five times a week to four to six weeks, so... It's less invasive so and it doesn't take 10 as long. 10 to 20-ish. Kind of yeah, like the same yeah. as EZT, really. Right. And the other one is called vagus nerve stimulation, VNS. There's always letters. Hmm. VNS is an FDA-approved treatment for treatment-resistant depression. So both of these are for depression. Stubborn depression. Mm-hmm. This is, I think, really fascinating. It involves implanting an electrical pulse generator under your skin in your chest implanting it implanting it like a little pacemaker kind of oh and that provides intermittent electrical stimulation to your vagus nerve in your neck oh okay interesting huh <laughs> what <laughs> you have you have a I psychiatric pacemaker i done more research about that because it sounds really cool yeah well, that's not what the episode's about. It's I know fine. that I know that the vagus nerve. I know there's a whole lot of stuff about seizures, people yeah. who do have seizures, and the vagus nerve. But yeah. I don't know enough to really talk about it. There are options. There are options. Is the basic the basic line here is that like if you are struggling with something like stubborn depression, talk to someone about it, figure out what your options are, and right. make an informed choice. Right. I think it goes back to too. I was thinking. You know, over and over again on our podcast, we talk about, I think the last episode I said, how freaking amazing our brains <laughs> it sounds are. sounds like you. Yeah. And that is true. Yeah. I mean, there's so much 
that's going on there. Well, and they're freaking amazing because they're so complex. Right. And there's so much. When you were talking about medication, you were talking about how, you know, when we have clinical depression or schizophrenia, yeah. our brains are just not firing the way that the average brain, however you want to word that, because we don't, I like, don't like that word, word normal. normal. Yeah. And, and average, but to live, to live a life that's not so challenging, you know. Baseline. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and so as we progress, and I do think we will continue to progress yeah. on things like this, on mm-hmm. things like electroshock, those kind of ideas, but medication too. Things that help us to figure out, well, how can we help the brain? Mm-hmm. Because like you referred to patients who have diabetes I mean, there was a time when we didn't have that treatment of insulin, you know, yeah. and people just died from it, yeah. right? So through science and through wonderful, intelligent people who figured that out, so wonderful, intelligent people are working on these kind of things to figure out how our brains work. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm kind of of the school that says we probably will never really know everything about our brain because it's... Maybe not everything, but I, I do think as we as we go along, we will learn as more. As we mature yeah. in our intelligence. Yeah. I mean, we haven't been... <laughs> In the grand scheme of things, we haven't been studying the brain very long. Right. So the brain is extremely complex and there's just a lot to figure out about it. I'm still standing on though, Anna, if I get old and get confused, do not shock me. Well, that's not what it's for. Don't freaking shock that's me. That's not what it's for. Well, that's not true because they do sometimes shock elderly patients if, who are depressed. Okay. So if I get depressed and I'm old, on just the other side, sing it, to me and hug me. I will. Do not shock my I brain. Will. I won't. <laughs> I will. On the other side, if I get struck with a severe case of depression, I am considering killing myself. I am like, I not responsive to, to medicine and mm-hmm. all of that. Yeah, maybe consider this. I will this. sing to you and hug you first. Okay. But and that also, might work. Okay. <laughs> also consider shocking me. Again, I'm not in favor of it. Just if you feel kind of bad, go get shocked. But like... <laughs> The way we're wording that is very unprofessional. You get shocked. But you, but you get the idea. Just, we kind of goof during this podcast, right. but it is a very serious. Right. If yeah. if this is, like our Lord and Savior Carrie Fisher said, stubborn depression. If it is something that you have tried a lot of things for and just really worked at for a really long time, nothing is working. I don't know. Maybe consider one of these alternative treatments. Maybe not ECT, but maybe one of the things mom mentioned. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, like, there there a are options. Less invent- invasive, yes. yeah. yeah. Well, one of them is literally putting a thing in your body. I don't know <laughs> if that's less invasive. <laughs> but, but I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying. miniature zapper. Right? Just a little pacemaker for your brainsies. <laughs> okay, right. that's all I got. That's all I got, too. Woo-hoo. You want to thank the people for listening? I would like to. Thank you so much for listening to our podcast, Freudian Sips. We would just not be having near as much fun if it wasn't for you guys being with us. So thank I, you for being with us. I don't know if that's true. It makes me so excited <laughs> when somebody says they started listening. Yeah, yeah, you know, it's somebody, fun. Yeah, somebody When I see we have like a new follower or, or yeah. something. Or, yeah, so, it's very fun. So thank yes. you. Thank you. Yes, thank you indeed. Thank you for listening. You can find us uh, on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all by the name Freudian Sips Pod. Feel free to reach out to us. We love, like Mom said, when people interact with us. We love to hear that people are listening and having fun with us. So interact with us. Tweet with us. Send us a message on Facebook. Anything like that. You can find us on our site, FreudianSipsPod.com. If you want to get a hold of us directly, you can email us at FreudianSipsPod at gmail.com. We're also on Patreon if you want to throw a few bucks our way for some uh, for some shock therapy for, <laughs> for ourselves. 
And please remember, wherever you're listening, to leave us a nice rating. If you want to hop over to iTunes and leave us a review, we would love that if you could do that. And we might even read it on the podcast. We will. Yes. So if you can, leave us a nice rating interview. Our theme music is Sweeter Vermouth by Kevin McLeod, and it sounds like this. (laughs) 